Hey, good, uh, good, good music, huh? Great. I'm going to tell you two, two true stories, and I want you to tell me which one's the tragedy, okay? Um, first story, April 2000, Ruby Ellison and Laura Edwards were killed, Cameroon, West Africa. They were both in their 80s. They were both uh, lifetime missionaries. They poured their life into sharing the gospel and uh, in uh, doing medical uh, missionary work in that part of Africa. On their rounds one day, their brakes failed on their car, and they went over the cliff, and they died instantly. So I want to ask you the question, was that a tragedy? Listen to this story. Uh, February 1998, the Joneses, a couple from the northeast section of uh, the U.S., uh, retired early at the age of 59 and 51. Uh, they moved to Florida, and they spend their days uh, cruising on their 30-foot trawler, playing softball, and collecting seashells. Is that a tragedy? Um, I know you think this is a trick question, Sam, right? Sam always thinks I'm doing trick questions. It's not a trick question, but you know what? It, it reveals our perspective. I think it will reveal our perspective as we think about these things. So, uh, I want to ask you the question, are you living the long view? Are you taking the long view? And what I mean by that is are you taking the eternal view? Or do you live the short view? And what I mean by that is simply our earthly temporal existence. So, do you take the long view or... The short view. Which story that I just shared with you is the ultimate tragedy, is the consummate tragedy? Um, if you stopped a thousand people on the street, probably 999 of them would say the first story was the tragedy. But you know what? If you ran into a real Christian who was really jazzed about the gospel and understood his stewardship upon the planet, he would tell you that that second story is the ultimate tragedy. And I'll develop that a little bit, just a little bit further. I borrowed these stories from John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. It's on the book table for you new guys. The book table's free, so if you see something there, please pick it up and take it home and read it. We'd love for you to do that. Um, but Piper says this in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, about Ruby and Laura, about their lives and their deaths. Listen. These two lives were driven by one great passion, namely to be spent in the unheralded service uh, to the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus. Even two decades after most of their American counterparts had retired to throw away their lives on, I love this, on trifles, their lives and deaths were not a tragedy, but a glory. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Two decades after many of their American counterparts had retired and they were just spending their, their retirement on, you know, indulging themselves... He says, this, this, these, these two 80-year-old women, man, well, they were out sharing the gospel. Their lives and deaths were not a tragedy. They were a glory. And then, he, then he quotes Mark 8.35, Whoever loses his life for my sake, these are the words of Jesus, and for the gospel's sake will save it. Now the second story, Piper read in a Reader's Digest, okay? And when he first read it, he thought it was kind of a spoof or a joke. But then he writes this, Can you imagine coming to the end of your life 
your one and only precious God-given life and let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your Maker be this. I played softball and collected shells. Picture this couple before the judgment seat of Christ. What does He say, Adam? What do they say? Look, Lord, see my shells? Friends, this is not understanding our stewardship before God. It's simply not understanding our stewardship before God. And if we, have a real, if we get a clear picture of what God is saying to us in the Bible, we would not want to waste two, the last two or three decades of our life indulging ourselves. We would want to be good stewards. We would want to be good stewards of all the gifts and talents and resources that God has given us. You know, we've, we've seen all too well in the last few months, right? There is no security on this planet. The financial crisis has wiped out uh, many people's perceived security. And you know, sometimes that's a blessing because people are looking at their portfolio and they're thinking, hey man, I'm secure. No. All we have to do is look at the words of God. There is no security on this planet. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth because the moth will eat them, the rust will destroy them, and thieves will take them. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Jesus is warning us there is no security in this life. It's an illusion. And then he says this, and if you have ears to hear it, praise God. Listen to what he says. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Did you hear him? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now we understand salvation is a free gift from God. But listen, what you do as a steward, there are rewards involved. And this is why I said to you earlier, you are going to define the, 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 uh, the proportions of your own uh, eternity by how you use your stewardship on the planet. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Moth cannot eat or rust destroy or thieves break in and steal. So every time the gospel's preached, every time I stand in front of you, I'm talking to you about the long view. And I'm exhorting you to take the long view because if you're taking the short view, you're making a huge mistake. A huge mistake. A dire mistake. A dire mistake even. So the gospel properly preached is always about the long view. You know, we went through 1 John. We spent 20 sermons in 1 John. That was about believing, obeying, and loving the brethren, right? That's long view stuff. That's long view stuff. We, uh, we, we spent six messages on sacrificially loving the body and serving the body, right? That's long view stuff. You're really going to sacrificially love and serve one another if you're taking the long view. If you're understanding the rewards that Jesus is talking about. We spent the last three messages about in 09, we're going to obey Christ with glad, reckless joy. That's long view stuff. Even when it's risky. You know, we talked about even if it's risky, even if we suffer temporal loss, we're going to obey Him with glad, reckless joy. <laughs> That's long view. You're not going to obey Christ to the point of loss if you're not taking, if you're not taking the long view. Okay. This is something new for me, but I've had my staff working exhaustively on a uh, visual aid today. Adam, actually, Adam put in at least, what, five minutes on this? <laughs> so, okay. Okay. This is your earthly life. Okay, you see that? That is your earthly life. You see how short it is? It's very small and short, okay? Everybody with me so far? This is sophisticated, but this is where we are. This is your forever life. You see? And we got it animated. Adam did that. Isn't that cool? 
So this is your forever life. So you get to, all right, now here we go. Here we go. Try to stay with me. Oh. See the comparison between your earthly life and your forever life. Has everybody got the point? That's pretty cool, right? We're going to do these more often. I don't know how to turn this off. <laughs> so, what God tells us in the Bible, He's unequivocal, He's crystal clear that our, our, uh, most of our life happens after our physical death. If you don't understand this, then you've not understood one of the foundational messages of the Bible. Your, your existence after your physical death is infinitely longer than your earthly existence. If that's true, should we not take the long view? Should we not? Every single day. Take the long view. And take God seriously when He talks to us about reward in heaven. And I just, want to, I just need to say this briefly. You know, there's so much confusion in the spiritual realm these days, even in what is called the Christian church sometimes. But, you know, hey, there's no reincarnation. There's no soul sleep. There's no annihilation. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. That's it. You live, you die, you're judged. That's it. That's what the living God says. So the Bible teaches that we all physically die, but our souls and our resurrected bodies will live forever either in heaven or hell. This is the biblical message. This is the biblical message. If you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will live with Him forever in heaven. If you've rejected Christ, you will live forever in hell. This is the very clear message of the Bible. Now I know that there are many modern teachers who try to equivocate on the reality of hell and they want to say, well, it's not really there or they want to say, well, there's annihilation. Listen, there is no hope for annihilation in the Scriptures. And these men are false teachers and they're giving people false hope. Okay? The Bible is very clear. God is very clear. We will live forever in heaven or we will live forever in hell. It's very clear. And I know you don't hear much about hell anymore. But hey... Jesus talked more about it than, than in, there was more from his lips than from any other source in all the Bible. But it's not my intent to talk about that uh, today. The consequences of rejecting Christ. I am going to speak specifically to Christians today. So, if you know Christ, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you've been born again, I'm talking to you. If you haven't, a lot of this will be lost on you. But it, I submit it for your consideration. I submit it for your consideration. And I, my intent is to exhort you as we go through this series on heaven to begin to passionately pursue and take the long view in every decision you make with your wife and your kids, your finances, your job, your career, your relationships, to always take heaven into account. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you are taking heaven into account when you think about this? If we're real Christians, if we're biblical Christians, we're supposed to. We're supposed to. Yes, we've been saved, and that's a free gift. And, and, and you would say, Jim, I, 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 I've been saved. I have Christ. And I would say, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. But what I want to say to you is, hey, you'll build your own eternity right here as you exercise your stewardship. 
And we're going to get that from these two parables that we're going to look at um, today. And I want to quote my good friend Susan Wright. And I think she's quoting Elf. But this is ginormous stuff. It's ginormous. And if you don't know what that word means, I'll tell you later. Ginormous. It's big. It's huge. It's huge. And I, think, I don't think we think enough, enough about this. I don't think we think enough about, uh, enough about the reward that God has promised. He saved us. He's filling us up in this life. But there's still more. He means to reward His people forever. Forever. The reward lasts forever. This is uh, ginormous stuff. And God's serious about this. He expects His people to believe what He says. And to act on it. And to live by it. He really expects that. You know, I've run into so many Christians, they, they just think, you know, it's like, hey, have you ever read the Scriptures at all? Do you really, do you think God's serious about you living like this? It's almost like, oh, well, you know, I received Christ when I was eight. I live any way I want. Friend, that's a tragedy. That is a tragedy. You lose. You lose. So I, I'm trying to exhort you. I want you to see that it's in your own best interest Forever for you to take the long view and to take your stewardship seriously. Jonathan Edwards was a, that famous theologian back in the 18th century. And when he was 20 years old, he wrote down um, uh, about 70 resolutions that he would live by. And I want to, I want to read number 22 to you. Oh, you've got them. Okay. <laughs> Resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can. Did you hear that? And this is my exhortation to you in these next two or three sermons. That you take this serious, okay? To uh, obtain for yourself as much happiness in the other world as you can. Listen to what he says. With all the power, might, vigor, and vehemence I am capable of. Hey, I love you. I'm going, to preach this, I'm going to preach these sermons hard because I want you, if you need to change your, your conduct and the way you live your life and the way you prioritize, man, I'm going to love you enough to challenge you to do that. You know, this is not going to be, a, this is not going to be a, an, easy, an easy series of messages, I think, because God is really challenging me and I'm going to really challenge you. I mean, you know, because I love you. If I didn't care, hey, I'd just try to preach one more week and get paid one more week and not worry about it, right? But I'm really going to challenge you as God has challenged me to take my stewardship seriously. Ruby and Laura were serious about it. Eight decades on the mission field. They were serious about their stewardship. I'm not saying we all have to be missionaries, but they were serious about their stewardship. They believed the promises of God and they were laying up treasures in heaven. Let me ask you, Christian friend, are you laying up treasures in heaven? You need to be, and I'm going to exhort you to do it. Because if you don't, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. So, a couple of three sermons on heaven. And, uh, you know, God means for us to really be jazzed about it. He means for us to be jazzed about it. He means for us to, to live like we really believe this whole laying up treasures thing. Okay? Expending great energy to obtain as much happiness in eternity as we can. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And I'll probably share this verse with you every week. During, uh, every week we do this, this series on heaven. If then you've been raised up with Christ, if you're a real Christian, this is what he's saying, if you're for real, if you belong to Christ, keep seeking the things above. Let me ask you, friend, is that your top priority when you wake up in the morning? 
<laughs> or is it your priority anywhere along the day to seek the things above? In the everyday things, in the everyday things, we can seek the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. You know, I talk about Hebrews 11 a lot. You know, this is the great faith chapter, the great men and women of faith. And what was one of the things that drove their lives? What was one of the great fuels of, of these men and women as they lived these extraordinary lives of faith? It was God and God's heaven. Listen to a couple of verses from Hebrews 11. Verse 10. They were looking for the city of God. Verse 13. They confessed they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Hey, they knew they were just passing through. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know you need to be not taking the short view, but you need to be taking the long view? Do you know that the short view is actually a deception? It's actually a deception. Verse 16, Hebrews 11. They desired a better country. Uh, that is a heavenly one. And then you know what God says about these men and women. Hebrews eleven sixteen. He says, I'm not ashamed to be their God. Because <laughs> they live like my word is real and like it means something every day. And they live it seriously every day. As John Piper says, they live it with a serious joy. Don't you love that? A serious joy. They believe my promises. And they live like they believe my promises. So... I'm going to exhort you to lay up treasures in heaven every single day for the rest of your life between now and the time you die, which will be, as the Scripture says, what? We are vapors. So, as we start this series, the Lord has led me to talk about these two parables. You heard one of them read, and I'm going to quickly look at Luke 19. This is the other parable. It's almost, uh, it's almost identical. There are a few nuances but we're going to start here in uh, Luke 19. I just want to go through this. You heard, uh, the, again, the talents. And this is about the menace. And uh, it's, uh, it's almost the same story. Uh, Luke 19, verse 12. A certain nobleman went, on a distant, uh, went to a distant country. He called ten of his slaves uh, together. And he gave them ten minas. And he said, do business uh, with these until I get back. Uh, verse 14 is not really applicable to what I want to talk about. Again, that's, just, that's, the fact, that's a picture of those who reject Christ as He leaves. But verse 15, And when He returned, He ordered that the slaves who had been given the money be called to Him uh, in order that they might know what business they had done. Verse 16, And the first appeared saying, Master, your minna has made ten more. Verse 17, And He said to the man, Well, uh, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in very little be in authority over ten cities. And the second came and said, Your mina master has made five minas. And he said to him also, And you shall be over five cities. Okay, we see here that, that God, this is a picture of God, and He's giving endowments to His, to his creatures, right? He's giving gifts and skills and capacities and endowments to them. The things that, you know, you probably take your brain for granted and your mental capacity for granted. Listen, friends, that is a gift from God. And you have a stewardship to God on how you use that mind and what you fill that mind with. It's a stewardship before God. And God is giving out these endowments. And look what He says here. He says, hey, go do spiritual business. Let me ask you, are you doing spiritual business? with your gifts and your talents and your skills. Are you doing spiritual business? This is what God expects. He expects His children to do spiritual business. But look at, look at uh, 
Oh, look at verse 15. He comes back for an accounting. You heard it read in the talents. There will be an accounting. You have a stewardship and there will be an accounting. God will ask you and you will stand before Him about your stewardship. And look at the first, the first, uh, the first servant. Uh, his his uh, minute, it was a tenfold increase. And what does God say? Well done. You good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing. Be in authority over ten cities. Is that awesome or what? And what I want to say to you, a minute is about three months' wages. So this guy took three months' wages and he turned it into 30 months' wages. But what I want to say to you, 30 months' wages, that's nothing to God. I'm talking about proportion here. That's nothing to God. But it means everything to Him that you took the, the, the gifts He gave you and you, you did spiritual business. And listen to what He says. He's just completely out of proportion. It's like the mustard seed thing. You know, the mustard seed is so small and it grows into a big, a big tree uh, in, in, in the garden. It's all out of proportion. God says, hey, rule over ten cities. I hope you can get this. That's forever. That's forever. The authority you will have, the, 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 the place you will rule and reign in heaven as a, as a true believer, this is dependent. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your reward. It will be dependent on how you do spiritual business with all the endowments God has given you. Friends, I get jazzed about this. I get really jazzed about it. This is unbelievable. God says, hey, you made 30 months wages. That's nothing to, to God. But God says, hey, rule over 10 cities. Isn't that just like God? You can't outgive Him. He's always out of proportion with His generosity. You know, He's just always pouring His goodness out on His people. He's so, he lavishes us all the time. And it will only be more evident in eternity. He will lavish us forever. A billion eternities is the way I like to say it. Did you notice, I love one thing, just on a side point, I love the way this, this guy says it. And we understand this, true Christian understands this. Look how he says it in verse 16. He says, Master, your minna has made ten more. We understand this, right? That, that this, this is really all we are and all we have. It's God's. And, and we just surrender and let God work through us, right? I love that. There's no, there's no arrogance here. There's no pride here. There's no, look what, I done, look what I did here. It's like, look what your minna did, God. I love that. I love that humility of spirit. I think that's important for us to, to remember. But I love the generosity of God. Hey, ten cities. Friends, this is ginormous. This is huge. You know what? A lot of you are going to walk out of here. I know this about preaching. The only thing you're going to remember is ginormous. You're going to get to about Thursday and you're going to go, what was he talking about? But it was, I remember it was ginormous. So remember, it's ginormous. What God is talking about here is ginormous. We have tremendous, tremendous potential here. You know, God is, He calls us to be uh, hilarious givers over in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 9. And He calls us to be hilarious givers because that's what He is. And He says, hey, you do a little business, a little spiritual business with, your, with, with the gifts I've given you? I'm going to blow your soul. I'm going to reward you like you can't believe. And again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the reward that God talks about over and over and over in the Scripture. And you notice the second service. He did, uh, the second servant, he did the same thing. He did the same thing proportionately. Well, he, he got one, but he made five. And, and the Lord says, hey, 
Uh, rule over five cities. Do you see the proportionality? Do you see the proportionality? The first guy made ten. He really went to work. He, he rules over ten cities. The second guy did five. And it pleased the Lord. But he's only going to rule over five cities. Do you get the proportion? Do you get the point? Man, I hope you get this. This, is, this will change your life, I think, if you get it. Um, I don't think most Christians take this serious. <laughs> one, one, they're either not knowledgeable about it, or two, they don't believe it, or three, I don't know. How can you not get fired up about this, about the promised rewards of God? I think some Christians think, well, God's not really bothered how I employ uh, the gifts He's given me. He, he, you know, he, He's not, yes, wrong. He means for you to use your gifts and to do spiritual business. I think uh, many Christians think, well, there'll just be some general kind of generic reward and everybody's going to get the same reward. Wrong. The Bible says it will be according to your works. It will be according to your stewardship right here, right now. Friends, I, I, it's, this is a huge thing. And Ruby and Laura, man, they believed it. They believed it. Jonathan Edwards, they were busy about laying up treasures in heaven. Are you busy? Are you busy? That's what I want to ask you. Are you busy laying up treasures in heaven? If you're not, your life is a tragedy. You're wasting it, as John Piper says. Go, go pick up the book on the table. Now, the Joneses who took that early retirement, you know, um, they were taking the short view. They were spending their days on trifles. Don't ever do that. Nothing wrong with quitting your vocation and being able to retire, but don't just entertain yourself for two decades. You'd be doing spiritual business. Spiritual business for the glory of God and for your reward. Now let's quickly look at this last slave here. Um, what did he do? Now he shows his utter disregard for all the gifts he's received from God. I'm always amazed at people who do not acknowledge that everything they are and everything they have is a sovereign gift from God. You just hear people complaining all the time. And I think to myself, are you not thankful for anything? Oh, I was conscious this morning when I woke up. My brain works. I can dream. I can hope. I can love. Oh, I can see. I can breathe. Uh, this good food is so good. And, you know, all that stuff. I mean... Man, we've got to be thankful people. We need to be a thankful people. This, this servant, he, he, he doesn't give it a second thought. He just sticks it in a handkerchief. I mean, who does that with something valuable? He just sticks it in a handkerchief. And then he assaults the character of the master or of God. He says, hey, I knew you are hard. I knew you were hard, so I didn't do anything. Man, what a, what a lame excuse. Look what he says in verse 22. He says, you're a worthless slave. He said, you could at least put it in the bank. Verse 23. And I would have gotten my interest... And then look, look what happens. He takes the men away from it and he gives it to the guy with ten. And we go, what? That's what God's going to do. The guy, that, you know, the, the man or woman that is doing spiritual business and he's, they're using their capacities and their talents and their endowments for the glory of God, for the conversion of sinners. And God's just going to load you up. He's going to load you up. Verse 26, I tell you that everyone who has... Uh, everyone who has shall uh, more be given, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. The unbeliever, whatever he thinks he has, he's going to lose it all. You know, it's like the Monopoly game. Everything goes back in the box. 
when it's over. It's like when you die, it, goes all, it all goes back in the box. You don't get to keep anything. He loses everything. Forever. And the false Christian, same thing. The false disciple, same thing. He loses everything forever. And what he would have had is given away. It's given to the good steward. It's given to the good steward. There's a real dichotomy here between the long view and the short view. And I hope you're hearing it. I hope you're hearing it from the Word of God. And we're going to quickly look at, uh, just turn over to Matthew where you heard Sam, Sam read. And I, there's just a couple of nuances over there that I want to point out to you. I'm not going to cover the whole thing. I just want to point out a couple of nuances here. Look at verse 15, parable of the talents, Matthew 25, verse 15. Um, look, what he, look what it says. It's the same basic principle here. Verse 15, he gave to each according to his ability. I love this. He gave to each according to his ability. So to one he gave five, to another he gave two, to another he gave one. What's the point here? Well, I don't know if you're a five-talent person. You know, and a talent is just a sum of money, so that's just a metaphorical thing. But I don't know if you're a talent person, a five-talent guy or a two-talent guy or a one-talent guy. But you know what? If you're a five-talent guy, God expects you to do business with your five talents. You know, that's, let's say that's a John Piper, right? That's a John Piper or a John MacArthur or a, a Billy Graham, right? They're five-talent guys. God wants a five-talent reward from a five-talent guy. What does He want from a one-talent guy like me? He wants one talent. He wants his return. This is not in some greedy thing. God is giving us a, an opportunity to enhance and enrich all of our eternity. I love this. He does it, he does it proportionally. I'm not, I'm not expected to perform like John Piper. I'm expected to perform like Jim Albright. And you're expected to perform like Adam Davies and, and Kirk Gay and Kelly Craycap. That's who you're supposed to be. That's what you're supposed to do. You don't look at someone else. You get before God. And you, you figure out what God's given you and you put it to work. And you do spiritual business for the glory, for the glory of God. I love this. This is awesome, awesome. And he comes back and he settles accounts. The Lord settles accounts with him. He comes back and the five-talent guy, he says, uh, verse 20, I've made five more. And what does the master say? Verse 21, he says, Oh, you good and faithful slave, you've been faithful in a few. What happens to the man who's faithful in a few? In a few things. What does the text say? You shall receive many. You shall rule over many. You shall receive many. Right? Same thing happened to the, the two-talent guy. Right? The two-talent guy. Same thing. Same proportionality. Look what the Lord says. I love this. He said, You shall be in charge of many things. Enter into my joy. Don't you love that? You know, we know that, we know that great text from John 17. We will have the joy, the very joy of God within us for all eternity. I love that. Enter into my joy, says the Lord. And quickly, verse 24 to 30, we see, again, we see the, 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 the worthless slave, the wicked slave. He says, hey, I knew you were hard, so I just hid mine and I just buried it in the ground. It's like, hey, you know, I don't care that you gave this to me. I'm not going to do anything with it. I mean, how many men and women walk on the earth like that? Not only not acknowledging that God gave it to them, but doing absolutely nothing with what He's given them. Doing absolutely nothing with what uh, He's given them. And the Lord says, uh, and the guy, the guy uh, again, he, for his own apathy and lethargy and, 
and uh, uh, laziness. He blames God. He says, well, I knew you were hard. Verse 26, God says, you wicked slave. You wicked slave. Why didn't you just put it in the bank? Verse 27. And he takes away what he had and he gave it to the guy with ten. And it's at verse 29, For to everyone who has shall more be given. He shall be given abundance. But he who does not have, if you show up empty-handed, whatever you think you do have will be taken. Will be taken away. I want you to understand this. Salvation is a gift. And it's awesome. And it's like I thought many times, you know, just praising Jesus. If you really get some sense of your own depravity and your own sin and that he died for us, it's an awesome thing. I mean, it's, it's beyond description. He will be enough. It's almost like he could fill up a billion eternities. But it's not just going to be him. You're going to rule and reign. You're going to rule and reign. And you're going to have authority and responsibility. And you're going to have the work you were wired to do. And it's going to fill your soul. And you're going to get to give good reports to the Master. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. And I want to exhort you, you know, to, to, to live like you really believe. To live like you really believe the words of God. So, the Joneses' retirement, in my estimation, was the ultimate tragedy. To waste your life, as Piper says, on trifles. That is the ultimate tragedy. As he, as he also says, to chase bubbles that burst. And to give no consideration to your maker and to the gifts of your maker. And you, you simply use them for your own enrichment and your own amusement. This is a tragedy. If you've been in this church very long, you've heard me say this a lot. <laughs> it ain't about you. <laughs> it never was about you. And it's never going to be about you. You know who it's about? Colossians 1.16. It's about your maker. Jesus, uh, Colossians says that we were made by Him and we were made for Him. It's not about you. Your life is not about you. It's about Him. And even if you're an unbeliever, He owns you. Even if you don't love Him, He owns you. He made you. Uh, you're His uh, creative software. I mean, you know, He has proprietary rights on you. Even if you don't love Him, you are accountable to Him. And you will give an account. It's huge stuff, guys. I love what MacArthur says. You are His. You live in His world. You are His. You're breathing His air. You're eating His food. You are His. And you will give an account. You will give an account. So, do you see that Ruby and Lara's deaths were not a tragedy? They were... Man, can you imagine? I'm, I'm done. Can you imagine the home going for Ruby and Lara? Can you imagine the smile on Jesus' face? Well done. Well done, my daughters. Well done. Enter into my joy. Oh, and here's your reward forever. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine? I can't wait. I can't wait. And listen, friends, we need to be pointing at this. If we're real Christians, you know. We need to be pointing at this. We need to structure our lives like this. We need to structure our lives for that day. Not for tomorrow, not for when we retire, but for that day when we will see the Lord Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful daughters. 
You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. You were faithful for 80 years. I will reward you forever. Enter into my infinite joy. I can't wait. I can't wait. Isn't it awesome as Christians? <laughs> Death will be our best day ever. I hope you know that, friend. If you belong to Christ, the day you die will be the best you've ever lived. As you step in front of Him, you see that big smile on His face. Let's pray together. Lord God, what an awesome text. What an awesome challenge for us. Forgive us if we've been negligent to acknowledge that You are our Creator and that everything that we have and everything that we are is from Your good and gracious hand. Forgive us, Lord, if we've been thinking like that, if we've been sucked in by the world and we think like the world and we prioritize like the world and we, and we set our goals like the world. Forgive us, great God. May we repent of that today. May we begin to live uh, in accordance with Your Word, looking forward to that day that we see You. That day that we stand before You. We will not shrink back. We will have boldness as we come to you, as we run into Your arms. And we hear those words, well done. Well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. Lord, I pray You grant us this, this, this life-changing view of heaven. This life-changing view of, of what You're calling us to do and what You're calling us to be in this place. Lord, may we not be consumed with earthly matters. May we set our hearts and our minds and our eyes on the things above. May we be seriously joyful about it and joyfully serious about it. Lord God, I pray that Your Word will have its way with us. We would take it in. We would think about it. We would pray about it. We would allow it to change our hearts and our minds. Have Your way with us, great God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.